Hi friends, welcome to From the Core with Carly Perkins. Together, we'll explore healing modalities that decrease anxiety and stress and learn to live from a joyful, heart-centered space. After struggling with bouts of anxiety, insomnia, stress, and burnout in my 20s, I began a journey of self-healing and discovery to attract and sustain joy. This resulted in a life filled with more resilience, ease, and flow. Now in my early 30s, I've channeled my dance and fitness teaching background into a deep desire to learn about and engage with various healing resources to continue to grow and also help others integrate them into their own lives. My mission is to keep engaging with helpful healing tools so that I can empower people to find their own personal healing within their intuition and soul connection to the natural world. See you inside the podcast. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of From the Core with Carly Perkins. I'm Carly, your virtual friend in all aspects of wellness and healing. I'm a life coach, a spiritual and wellness educator, and I specialize in EFT tapping, breath work, dance, and other energy movement modalities. I'm really excited to present to you the interview of today. I had the pleasure of chatting with Jen Sue, the founder of Work and Yoga, And we cover ergonomic yoga, positions, and ways to increase movement while working from home and living a more sedentary life during COVID times. So I think this episode is very timely for many of us, even if you're not working from home. You're probably still in your home more often due to the fact that uh, this pandemic is ongoing. And she has some wonderful insights to share about yoga and meditation how they transformed her life, how they can transform your life. And I know from personal experience, integrating yoga and meditation into my life has been wildly transformative. And I meditate once, if not twice, sometimes multiple times a day. And that's really been my greatest touchstone coming back home to myself in the last couple of years. And especially in 2020, with so many uncertainties and feelings of being out of control Meditation and yoga are ways of coming back home to yourself and feeling safe in the surrender of not knowing what will happen next. And it is a, a language of the body, mind, body, and soul that is so in- interconnected. It's spiritual. It's, you know, you can work with yoga in different ways and there are many facets of it. So there's different styles. And uh, today we cover ergonomic yoga specifically. And if this sparked interest and joy as you listened along and you were able to gain some valuable insights from what Jen and I shared, please rate and review this episode. It helps get this content into the hands of new people. So you can rate and review over on Apple Podcasts or another platform if they allow that option please give a five-star rating and review it means a lot and um, I appreciate it so let me tell you a little bit about Jen Sue's background before we dive into this informative interview Jen's company work and yoga's mission is to bring better work-life balance through ergonomic yoga services in the workplace Jen Sue started this company in 2018 because of her personal experience with workplace injuries. Prior to teaching yoga, she worked in the corporate world and ended up with a wrist disability from long hours of computer use. She was diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome with a loss of 50% capacity to work on the computer. 
Through yoga, Jen found relief from her chronic pain and was able to re-strengthen her body to improve her ergonomics. Jen currently teaches in the Bay Area and has completed 500 hours of advanced yoga certification with a leading vinyasa teacher, Jason Crandall, the highest yoga certification recognized by Yoga Alliance. She has also completed 45-hour prenatal certification with Jane Austen. Her clients include Google, YouTube, Atlassian, Education.com, Myers Nave, and Verily. Jen's awesome. We've been friends since our early days of college in our 20s, and I love that her first yoga class was with me. So uh, I'm looking forward to having you all enjoy this episode. Thanks, Jen, for being on the podcast today, and it's been a pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in, and I'll see you on the other side of this episode. Enjoy! Jen, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm grateful to sit down and talk all things yoga and wellness with you. So welcome to From the Core. Thank you, Carly. I'm so happy and honored to be here. Um, and I'm excited to see what we have in store. First and foremost, I would love to learn about your yoga journey, how you started out as a more novice yoga student to transitioning to a full-on yogi and living that lifestyle that you embody now? So actually when I first started yoga, I think it was back when we did the yoga class together in like freshman year of college. And it was some form of (laughs) yoga class because I don't even think it was super popular uh, when 10 10 plus years ago when (laughs) we were freshmen. (laughs) And so I was not entirely interested. I really liked more of the competitive high impact sports. I mean, I did Mm -hmm. a little bit of rugby in college and tennis. And so those were the at least activities. And I saw yoga as a form of exercise that I was really drawn to. It wasn't until I started my first job out of college when I started having wrist pain from computer use. So just those, um, the typing and the mousing that you normally get. And Mm -hmm they were diagnosing me with sort of the generic repetitive stress injury in my wrist. And I did all of the physical therapy um, daily because I'm Mm -hmm. disciplined and I will do something that the doctor tells me. And I actually went to see about six different doctors, tried six different physical therapists and none of it was working. And not only that, it was actually getting exponentially worse. Um, Mm. But so bad that the pain actually turned into a disability and I couldn't even brush my teeth. Like holding a fork and trying to eat was really difficult and even opening doors, holding grocery bags. Um, so all of that really took it out of, for me. And in addition to that, um, I also had one of my family members Uh, she had a suicide attempt and emotional breakdown. And it was really stressful on top of the disability that I had developed, Mm -hmm. um, reacting to all of these events. And it took so much of my energy to try and save this person. And it sort of diverted that attention away from my recovery. 
And so with all of that happening, sort of the, the first thing in this crisis situation is to be able to de-escalate the situation. And finally, when things started to settle down and become stable, I was filled with a lot of guilt and emotion mm -hmm. and then this pain and mm -hmm. not being able to work. Um, by then I was already, I couldn't work anymore. I was at home in pain, constant pain um, that I couldn't resolve. None of the doctors could do anything for me at all. And I had an identity crisis when I was 25 and I was coming out of a very stressful event in my life, um, just almost from every angle where my whole life fell apart with my family, with my work, with my finances, with my independence. And so about a year after I finally got the correct diagnosis, which was thoracic outlet syndrome, and that is impingement of my nerves and veins in my brachial plexus, which is this area between the first rib and the collarbone. Mm -hmm. And so when you're hunched over, which we have to do when we're at our, at our computer or really when we're doing anything with our hands, we, we tend to slouch, right? So it shortens this area and all of the circulation and creates impingement. And mm -hmm. even though I have thoracic outlet syndrome, uh, TOS for short, a lot of people experience this, um, right? You, if, if you look, uh, and we do these office consultations where we look at the ergonomics of every employee, everyone's hunched over still, right? The majority of people, yeah. and even when they leave their desk, they're still hunched over. Mm -hmm. And so this creates all of this tension, right? And it travels down, everything's connected. Um, I realize now that one of the things the doctors was doing wrong was they were solely looking at my wrist and mm. reading that when the pain was actually up here. And so what was really interesting was the PT that they actually prescribed was having me lay on the floor and do breathing exercises to try and relax, wow. open that space up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like I was doing all of these, <laughs> so many <laughs> wrist exercises, you know, all of these stretches when in reality, they were like, lay down, do some breathing. And I was like, okay, this is actually really <laughs> similar to yoga. Um, right, yoga right. And like, right, the one of the eight limbs of yoga is the breath, the pranayama practice. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the first things they did. And um, there was relief, finally. Mm -hmm. um, and all of the things I had been doing, right, sitting on the couch, being depressed, that I lost so much, all of that hunching over was creating so much pain. So I actually do have a physical connection um, and physical connection to my body, but it's also the emotions that you carry when you're hunched over. Mm -hmm. And so with that, right, yoga is so different from all of the different, so different from exercises, right? Yeah, There's yeah, right. the back bends, drawing the shoulders back. I think other than maybe um, ballet or dance forms or gymnastics, you don't really approach those things where you're pulling back, where you're twisting and moving all of the muscles around the spine and in the chest. And so for me, I think this is how I fell into corporate yoga. I started with mm -hmm. studios, but I was able to really relate with students or clients that had pain, um, mm -hmm. pain from 
computer use, which is almost everyone, especially in the Bay Area. Right, right. So uh, <laughs> started from studios and really went into corporate pretty fast and um, just stuck in that for now, sort of stuck in that niche. Yeah, so poignantly said, um, yeah, pranayama, I've been really like exploring breath work more recently and it's been, yeah, hugely transformative. So I love that you tied that in with your story because, um, and just illuminated how transformative and integral that is to our overall wellness because it really starts, I heard a, re a recent quote, it was like, the mind follows the breath and the body follows the mind, something like that. And um, it was just interesting, like showing that it starts with the breath and if the breath is, is constricted, everything else can kind of get constricted as a result. And so like, it's really at the core of wellness and mind, body, spirit, you know, connection. At this stage, most people know what yoga is because it's become so widely popularized in our society. But can you break down for anyone who might not be so familiar, like what exactly yoga is? in a short ex explanation, if possible. I know it's very vast, so it's hard to really like summarize it quickly, but tell us what you think. Okay, so uh, what I want to point out first, which I get so often as a teacher, especially in the corporate setting, is that it is so much more than just stretching. A lot of my students, or, or I get approached, and they, that's usually what they tell me. They say, oh, I you know, I can't do yoga because I'm inflexible. And I think, no, no, that's no, you need to, you should come to class also because you're inflexible. So in a nutshell, I think what yoga does uh, through the yoga postures is that it rids our body of the tension and stress. And with that, it allows the mind to fully relax and unplug it's also the practice of self-discovery through that meditation and awareness of how we treat ourselves and others. Yeah. Wow. You really summarized that well. That is exactly how it feels to me when I practice yoga too. Strengthening self-awareness, coming back home to my body. That's yeah, very well put. Can you tell us a little bit more too about how yoga and meditation specifically have transformed your life? I know you, you tapped into that a little bit, but at this stage, after having studied yoga for you know, numerous years in your day-to-day -day flow, how have you integrated yoga and meditation? How has that completely changed the way that you live your life now? So I think for uh, sort of that transformative yoga and meditation um, in my own life is I really want to focus on, well, besides the daily practice of asana and mm -hmm. um, just being mindful throughout the day, the three principles that sort of I have seen the biggest change in my life is um, non-attachment to results, mm -hmm. learning how to separate ourselves from our mind, and then finally, the mindfulness or awareness and steadiness. And I think for me, in my own journey, um, that non-attachment sort of comes from um, just 
I think I was born as a perfectionist and now a recovering <laughs> perfectionist, the, the uh, term that we like to borrow from the author Brene Brown. Um, mm -hmm. So when I was in my childhood, in my, my teen years, my parents weren't around and I had to grow up really fast, um, mm -hmm. become independent and self-sufficient. And from middle school, I had the idea in my head that I would become a career woman and climb that corporate ladder. And I was very driven to finish school and I never veered off my path until mm -hmm. these life events actually forced me to this disability, this pain, um, told me to stop and change. And again, seeing, um, everything fall apart, right. Really having that realization when I couldn't lift a fork to my mouth to feed myself without feeling the constriction in my neck and in my chest. And I lost my identity and I had to face that every day. Look at it. There was no other distractions, but because I couldn't find that resolution, but for me to sit and wait and examine and self-reflect and see mm -hmm. what I had done wrong. And that really taught me to relinquish the control in my life. Um, and then realize that the universe had another plan and that I could have, I would have burnt out one way or the other. Yeah. And so with that, it taught me to surrender everything that I knew, right? That life mm -hmm. plan that you had created, um, all of these expectations for how things were supposed to go. It really threw a wrench and I'm on a completely different path. Um, <laughs> never thought, I never thought I would become a yoga teacher. Actually, <laughs> I didn't even like yoga. But so it really, the universe uh, is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's, I, and then I had like no patience either. <laughs> now I'm a teacher. So, <laughs> so really, um, I had to drop everything I knew every, yeah, every single yeah. thing. And, um, drop my expectations and just completely open up, open up my mind. So that first part, I think that's really important is having that non-attachment and also thinking about the reactivity that also comes with attachments to results and expectations. And this is something I think that all of us can practice every day, right? We always yeah, you know, hear something, something can go a certain way. We tend to react and it's not to go with that initial reaction. Mm -hmm. And so the second principle um, after that was learning how to separate ourselves from our mind. So at that time, I was ashamed and embarrassed um, to even be around people or my friends in San Francisco, right? I was 25. Everyone was working. I kept thinking I wasn't good enough, that I was being judged for not working. And people didn't understand either. They're like, oh, really? You're in that much pain that you can't work? Um, it's hard to sit down and tell this whole story when I meet someone new. Right, right. And so the stories that were being created in my head, um, my self-identity, right, complete loss, the stories were... I'm a failure, that I didn't amount to anything, that I was unworthy, you know, I can't even pick up groceries, I was in pain every day, and they start to spiral out, um, and I think even, you know, not, not all of us have had maybe moments as, as dark as this, right, but when we have that train of thought, maybe it's a negative thought, right, that this mm -hmm. person didn't do this, and um, it starts going, and I think it's really important to realize that these 
or the stories that will replay in our head or that movie reel, it's clicking on and it's going. And I realized also at that point, that's when I started to fantasize about different ways to kill myself and end my life because it, it just didn't seem like it was worth living anymore. And noticing that that is the spiral and that you are not your mind. Um, your mind is a loyal servant, but a terrible navigator, right? If you keep feeding, if you feed it, these thoughts, it will continue to go in that direction. Right. And when we can finally stop and distinguish, this is what my mind is doing. It's going down this story, right. From things, bringing up things from the past fears of the future, being able to distinguish that and not react necessarily in that moment Mm -hmm. and really be able to see um, becoming aware, seeing quieting the mind down and really understanding when, when those times are. So I think that's just, um, yeah, being able to separate ourselves from our mind. And so finally, right. Being able to, have non-attachment, seeing that separation of the way the mind works, we're able to build that awareness Mm -hmm. overall. And once you're under, once you're able to understand those emotions, remove yourself, you're able to see the truth, right? Mm -hmm. The reality, Mm -hmm. are you actually a failure or is this a bump in the road, right? Maybe a challenge that will make you stronger, take you along a different path. Um, right. right. And noticing those negative stories, um, but realizing the truth, the, your true nature and what things actually are and um, not going down those rabbit holes. So practicing that awareness on a daily basis, being, knowing what's happening with the mind, knowing that you're reacting to expectations that you have set for yourself that actually do not necessarily benefit you in the end. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing your story because, and so openly, I know that will help countless people because I I think, especially given that we're experiencing this ongoing pandemic and a lot of isolation and I've struggled with anxiety um, in the past and it crops up still. And I know a lot of people are struggling and feeling alone. And I just, really appreciate that you shared your story so openly because I think it makes people feel less alone when they hear that someone might be experiencing something similar to their own life experience. It just helps us to build connections. So I I thank you for sharing that. And yeah, so beautifully said, I think, yeah, that's something I've been exploring more deeply in the last uh, few years, but definitely in the last year (laughs) throughout 2020 and beyond, um, really disconnecting from what my mind's telling me is the truth you know, and really looking at the facts and journaling has helped me a lot in doing that and, and breath work too. But um, yeah, I'm definitely someone who can be more, well, we don't have to get into like Ayurveda necessarily, but we can, if you want to, but I'm more Vata in my mind. So that means that I have a lot of, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast already, but um, yeah, I, I can really get into a, a mind spiral. So for someone like me, who's Vata Pitta, it's helpful to like learn ways to disconnect from the um, onslaught of things that are my mind's telling me if they're not helpful and just to take inventory and to notice 
you know, maybe not, uh, I try to practice non-judgment for my thoughts, but also just to like notice what I'm telling myself. I don't know if, um, it sounds like you're really great at mastering that too. And, you know, because, and that's part of, I think, living a yoga lifestyle. It's, it seems like, you know, it's really, like you said, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of being and yeah, from the inside out. Whenever we're upset or emotional or angry, I think everyone, everyone's mind, almost everyone, maybe, right. maybe not the Buddha, maybe not the monks as much. <laughs> at they least. probably got to work at it though together. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> I work would imagine. at it maybe more than we do. Right. Yeah. But I, I think that anyone, when they do get emotional, it starts this spiral and that, that is the mind, right? Um, that is what the mind does. It causes us to think and constantly think. So mm-hmm. hopefully everyone can see, uh, can relate to this in their, in those moments. Certainly. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a timely discussion because yeah, we're all, it's something that I'm sure many of us have experienced before, but especially given what's happening societally and politically, it's easy to just further spiral. So it helps to like have these certain practices we're talking about to anchor into the truth of who we are and our beingness. So I love that you focus on ergonomic yoga and I work from home and I'm very sedentary in my life, especially like 2020, I I didn't work as much uh, as many of us didn't. And I moved my body more. I danced more. I just had free movement kind of sessions for myself in my home. And I, I would like to get better at, you know, my daily Pilates yoga practice. So I'm working on that now, but as a lot of people are really more sedentary because of COVID and just not seeing people as much, just sitting at home more often. So tell us about ergonomic yoga specifically and how can it improve the lives of others and how you've seen improvement in your life in specifically working with ergonomics in that tenet of yoga? So what I tend to focus on a little bit more in ergonomic yoga is again, um, right, the shoulders and the chest region, I think that, again, most of us are slouched over and you mm-hmm. and you have to in order to work on the computer. You say that or, and then I like try to sit up straighter. Like, yep, it's funny because every, every single person does that, right? Like, it's amazing. All I have to do is say it and then you bring your <laughs> mindfulness and awareness to it. Yeah. yeah, into. And so even if you're able to practice that ergonomic yoga and it's mm-hmm probably two or three classes a week, right? It's uh, remembering, remembering throughout the day. And you can't really do it when you're um, typing away or mousing. But when you get away from your computer, being able to draw the shoulders back and Mm -hmm. let that area open up, right? And it's that increase in circulation, bringing oxygenated fresh blood into every cell of our body that's really important. And having that mindfulness, which you can build in class, but having that mindfulness every every day and because I'm not with you 24 hours of the day so reminding yourself to do that to open up a little bit more and it's it's a given um well for I guess for students that don't practice yoga it tends to relieve any pain in the shoulders in the upper traps um Mm -hmm in the arms all the way into the wrist, right? Just by stretching it out and strengthening, just moving that area. And I don't think we do it 
enough in a lot of other exercises. Um, it's just not focused enough into the stiffness that we develop from hunching over. And so that's how ergonomic yoga can help. But mm -hmm. what's been really interesting, um, you know, I've already seen the benefits of yoga, just that practice alone. So from poses like downward dog or cobra opening up through the heart and mm -hmm. those twists, um, right? Those are very beneficial for the thoracic area of the body, the upper, the upper body. Mm -hmm. And what I've really seen though with these classes is that it's continuing the habits and routines uh, that students used to have before of, of this practice. And it's also the social aspect of having that group class. And, you know, the ergonomics are important, but I think in the pandemic, especially it's, it's a different, it's a different time for everyone. It's being able to stave off that panic of, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you're stuck in a bad job as, or as one of my students gave me feedback on where she was being triggered more than half the time. And it was that daily yoga practice where she carved out time for herself and she was able to focus on her breath, calm down her mind, get into her body and stretch. Um, mm -hmm. That was really a savior for her. And also allowing this time for the students to socialize, to see other people, right? We all, so most of them, rather than putting the screen on me, they have it in gallery view where they can see every student in the separate screens. And you can see into people's homes, you can meet their families as they walk through the background, their cats, their dogs, their children doing different yoga poses. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is actually one of the highlights of mm -hmm. the yoga class during COVID. Um, and also for them, right? The, the blurring of work, um, being at home, not knowing when to shut off and having that regular time scheduled. This is work time. This is yoga time and being yeah, able yeah. to completely de-stress and let go. Um, right. A big part of the ergonomics where you're finally focused on that breath and relaxation. Definitely. Yeah. It's so important to carve out that time and really stick to some kind of structure around a fitness routine. Otherwise, I know for me personally, at least it's benefited me to have it on my calendar because if I don't hold myself accountable and like attend a class, it's great to attend classes. I want to definitely attend some of your upcoming classes. But if it's just me and the mat, I don't do it as often. <laughs> and so it's better if someone's barking orders at me or just like guiding me along the way. Yeah, it's a good lesson in really being diligent in our practice. I would love to know you know, I've heard the term work-life balance before, and it's something I think about sometimes. And I think it can vary depending on, you know, the individual. It's pretty subjective, but is work-life balance real? And in your, your yogini perspective, is it attainable? What does it mean to you? And uh, what are some ways that maybe we can achieve more balance in, you know, working and living in these difficult times? <laughs> Definitely. I, so, I mean, if, is it attainable? I absolutely think it is. I think that work-life balance, like the essence of it is presence, mm -hmm. right? It's having presence, being present when you're at work 
and then being present when you're at home with your family Mm -hmm. and your friends. So being able to distinguish that time and not blur the lines, which again, as we mentioned, many of us are um, since we're mostly just home all the time. And so I think when we look at that presence, we're able to divide, and maybe this is a more personally for me as well, but dividing there's work, there's family, Mm -hmm. there's friends, and then there's the self. Um, So Mm -hmm. sort of these four different quadrants and how we're going to spend our time. And it'll be different for everyone, how much you want to emphasize in each quadrant. But again, um, being, being focused, having your full attention in that area, right. Is, is the, I guess, part of the yogic way of Mm -hmm. having that presence. Um, And so I think what's easy right? We're, we know typically what we have to do with uh, work, friends, and family. Those are easily defined by society. But what I think we need to pay a little bit more attention to, or, or for some of us that haven't really built up these habits or activities, is into the self. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is also borrowed concept from our author, Brene Brown, <laughs> but that. finding that um, activity and hobby where you're able to lose yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You become so engrossed, you lose track of time because you're, it brings you so much joy, relaxation, your breath is completely steady, your mind is completely relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I think finding that. So whether that's an activity or a hobby, and it can be so many different things like dance, um, art, gardening, or exercise, right? Being able to find that to really disconnect and recharge the mind. And the way yoga does this is it actually is a practice of relaxing the mind. And so Typically in a yoga class, you sequence with different types of asanas, the yoga poses to relieve any physical tension in the body that could be distracting the mind while you meditate, right? So Mm -hmm. we start off in that way and also moving the body distracts us, right? Mm -hmm. And it allows us to pay attention into our breath. And once we're able to do that, then the mind becomes calmer and calmer, right? When you bring yourself into a balancing pose, right? Like if you're in dancer's pose or half moon, you're not thinking about anything else, but not falling and maintaining that balance, right? So it causes this focus. And so yoga is this practice that I'm also describing. It's, it's a way for us to practice our skills and train our mind in order to be present and clear and then completely relax when we finally lay down into that savasana where you're at complete peace you're not thinking about anything else you're still every fiber of your body is relaxed and finally you enter that state of truth of divine love right when you come out and into your meditation and so being able to carry that energy with us into our daily lives, making us less reactive, more aware, right? And then separating our heart and our mind and the constant thinking, the stories that play through. I think, yeah, I, I love what you said. And I think that the balance is attainable, but we also need to yeah, like you said, practice non-attachment and to cultivate presence. And that's really like how the balance can be attained. And I was just kind of thinking about productivity and how 
in being more present and living a more yogic lifestyle, we can end up being more productive. And how like sometimes people say, I hear people say, oh, I don't have time to meditate or I don't have time to journal or not, but it, that's an illusion, I think, because we all have time. It's what we prioritize, you know? I've found, and it sounds like you're saying this too, um, is that in creating a little bit of space and time for these practices, it opens us up to be more present to everything else. So we end up being more productive and having more time for our family, ourselves, others. What do you think about that? Like, is that something that you've noticed in living in this more yogic lifestyle that you have more time for, uh, or you're just more present, I guess, and attuned to your life and able to be productive in, in myriad ways as a result? I, I do. And let's see. So I feel like there's like, it's a two part question. Almost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes, for me at, at this point, I've been, I've been practicing for about 10 years now. Um, I think in the beginning it was more of, it, it wasn't a daily practice and then every sort of a lifestyle as much as it is now. And I think um, in Western society, we are focused, we're, we're so focused on producing. That's our culture, especially in the Bay Area in, in California. And with the increase of technology, we're always connected and on um, to the point where we, we don't know how to relax. And really, it's it, sometimes when I think about it, I think that companies hire me to relax their, to relax their employees, really. That's, that's all mm -hmm. I'm trying to um, teach them how to do. And it's that reminder of teaching ourselves to decompress. And so with that, um, sort of from a more beginner level, just so it can be maybe a little bit more relatable for all of the listeners, right? We return to the concept of non-attachment, that we are not our mind, and that we want to practice this awareness, this mindfulness. And it's being able to practice this um, daily, every moment to remind ourselves and to become flexible, um, right? There could be issues that arise with a project or your partner forgetting to pick up the kids and remaining non-reactive, right? The mind is constantly thinking and it can get away from if we let it. And so with this, it starts to create blockages um, in the mind, in the body, rather than having the creativity among your team or enhancing the collaboration. And so, and then enhancing your productivity as well, um, right? When you're able to remain calm, non-reactive. So it also decreases um, the frustration and the anxiety and any sort of burnout. And I think that's right. When we talk about productivity, those are sort of the things that we're really trying to stave away from or mm -hmm. trying to maintain that balance overall. And so if we're able to take that quiet reflection and sort through issues of the day, rather than bringing that home to our friends or our family and taking it out on them or taking it out on coworkers. Yeah, it's such a helpful reminder to pause and breathe and ground before 
interacting with people and not being reactive. I appreciate that reminder because I think it's something that we can all benefit from, but especially I think in these trying times to learn how to be non-reactive is really helpful in general, but especially with so much going on uh, externally and having it affect the internal voices, it's, it's a great reminder to practice all of what you just said. So I appreciate that. I'm just like thinking about all of these different methods that I want to integrate into my own life or just further expand upon. And I love what you said about, yeah, work-life balance and being productive because as a recovering perfectionist myself, it's something that I used to struggle with. And sometimes like those voices still come up a little bit, like, am I being productive enough? And yesterday, quick aside, yesterday I thought, oh, I'm going to create this content or that content. And I ended up just resting a lot and it felt really great and it felt really divinely ordained. And in the past I might've felt guilty about it or just felt like I needed to be doing something like have more output. Uh, But really I think in taking the time to rest and recharge and to be in silence and to just cultivate self-awareness in that place, we're the most productive we can be and we can show up for ourselves and others more wholly, you know, more completely. And so that's a great thing to think about and to embody. Are there a few simple, quick stretches or poses that you can tell us about that we can adopt right now, right at home that would have amazing health benefits that you'd like to share? Yeah. So I think for, for podcast purposes and simplicity, <laughs> yes, it's always right. Yoga is very hard to do through voice or even through reading. Um, it does have to be done in person or in video at least. That's right. I think the, so I have probably my top or my four poses that I think would be good to integrate, which are mm-hmm. um, downward dog, because it opens up into the shoulders. You take your arms overhead, you stretch the entire torso as well, and you open up your lungs. You also stretch the back and the hamstrings, which get tight from being seated all day. So downward dog is a great pose, um, involves the entire body. And then your warrior one and your warrior two, again, stretching through the hips, through their shoulders, but really being able to find that stillness. And um, when you do these poses as well, when you're gazing in your warrior one or your warrior two, having that softness in the eyes, right? Yoga with the eyes and savasana Mm -hmm. in your face. Um, Mm. Being able to practice that as well. And then uh, switching it up to warrior two from warrior one. And also um, adding a back bend. So, locust pose um, being a little bit more important because of the posterior strengthening of Mm. muscles in the back, right? When we're hunched over, everything starts to round, the muscles in the back start to weaken. So when you come up into locust pose, a back bend, and you're lifting your chest and thighs up off of the floor and the arms are reaching back, you're strengthening that area that's so important to take us out of our hunching over position. So what is the locust pose exactly? I don't know. I'm trying to like envision if I've done that one before. Can you kind of break down? I know it's hard with it being more audio centered right now, but is there a way to explain how we would jump into that pose? Yeah. Yeah. So you would lay onto your belly and um, reach your arms back. So your hands are back and then you lift Mm -hmm. your chest and you lift your thighs. So it's kind of a 
So you come into a little bit of back bend and then lift the shoulder heads and arms up from the floor and reach the arms back. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. I love that one. Yeah, I kind of do that in Pilates too. We do like a swimmer thing, but we do that pose, I think, in it too. Um, yeah, that's a great one. Thanks, Jen, for sharing those tidbits because these are such, you know, easy, or I, I guess they're not always easy to all, but I, I see them as somewhat easy ways of tapping into our bodies quickly, you know, on the mat and centering in a way that uh, just takes a moment and has lasting benefits. Well, I really appreciate this conversation, Jen. It's been a lot of fun and I've learned a lot and I'm excited to integrate ergonomic yoga into my life and attend some of your classes. I have some fun rapid fire questions for you that we can dig into now. So the first one is, do you have a favorite location for outdoor yoga? Mm. Let's see. I, I would have to say... Um, uh, any outdoor yoga is really good, but probably the, the beach or in the mountains. Um, mm -hmm. The beach is just fun because you're in a different element. The sand is moving mm -hmm. and it, it's uh, impossible to balance. Um, but I think it's so important. Even one of the, one of the yoga concepts is being able to connect with nature. So I think that that's why I think any outdoor yoga is, is great. Um, but yeah, I'd have to say probably those two places. Oh yeah, my my soul needs that right now. Some Yosemite yoga, just being out in the redwoods somewhere, Tahoe maybe, and then also like the beach. That's always a great way to come home. And yeah, anytime we can incorporate the various elements, just feels so delicious. And speaking of delicious, <laughs> I didn't plan this segue, but what is your favorite pre-yoga snack or beverage and or beverage? So Tell us all the goodies that you enjoy. <laughs> Free yoga snacks. So for, for me, I actually cannot eat anything about like, and I need an hour and a half to two hours to digest um, mm -hmm. because the yoga involves the core so much, right? We're twisting, we're breathing, mm -hmm. we're going up and down. And for me, the food will come up um, if I eat anything uh, right. too close beforehand. So I would say... I would say like dark chocolate and nuts. Um, mm. Those probably give me the most energy that I need for my body. Mm -hmm. And then just like beverage wise, just water, water, water all day. Or do you have like a certain tea you enjoy before or after practice? Um, I have been going as of late with just matcha tea. Mostly. Mm, I love matcha. Yeah. Is there a certain kind of brand that you like that you want to shout out right now? <laughs> um, no, I don't remember the brand off the top of my head. That's okay. But yeah, matcha is amazing. I, that reminds me, I need to get some more and put it in my cupboard. I love it too. Do you have a favorite app for meditation or mindfulness or are you more just off the cuff when you do a, a meditation? Is there a certain kind of uh, tech feature that you enjoyed in integrating into your mindfulness practice? I think that, so I, I don't use any sort of, I don't use anything for meditation um, mm -hmm. because that's how I personally first 
went into it first discovered it i think um i also discovered it through my yoga practice which were shorter meditations that might be an easier way to begin um so i have heard really good things about headspace um but personally i think for me and and also at this point it it becomes more of a distraction so i do actually if you I do recommend starting first um, with something if that helps, right? With with some sort of app. But when you can and you're able to, um, being able to practice that on your own, right? Mm-hmm. So that is when you are practicing by yourself in quiet. Um, I do use an insight timer actually, rather than oh uh, yeah, insight timer. Rather than the alarm on my cell phone, which <laughs> I've noticed is just too alarming. Um, I do set that, um, which is very helpful. But right in the beginning, you're going to see your thoughts. You're going to see your mind running through and all of the resistance of I'm sitting here. This is boring. My leg hurts. Can I get out of this? And (laughs) and that's actually a way to observe as well, which I think is um, important to have moments of those practice. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard in the beginning to try and meditate quietness. It's hard to be quiet. We're not used to it, right? Because of the mind of distractions. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I like to think of yoga or mindfulness as a practice. I heard a quote recently, practice makes master instead of practice makes perfect. And that resonated with me because it is something, you know, we have to come back to and practice and uh, be diligent about instilling into our lives yoga or any mindfulness practice because it's not a natural thing to sit in stillness for most of us living in the modern world. And so if we can return to that every day or habitually at some point, throughout our week, it can be really great and it just becomes easier over time. If you could travel anywhere right now, and if it were possible, and teach yoga there, where would you go in the world? Hmm, I would have to say it would probably be Thailand. Mm-hmm. I, that's where um, I did a 10 day silent meditation retreat where I attended it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, the country, the warmth of the people, the fresh food. Oh my gosh. Having fresh mangoes and passion fruit and pineapple. Um, it's actually right. What we put in our body is so important as well and how we treat the earth and So, yeah, I would have to say um, Thailand for the diversity of having the ocean life and having the mountains as as a combination. That sounds incredible. Yeah, Thailand's been on my list, too. I've never been. Um, That's really cool that you did that retreat, though. That sounds like an interesting experience, kind of like Eat, Love, Pray style, right? Have you seen that movie? (laughs) Probably a lot more interesting doing it firsthand. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty cool and like amazing that you did that a silent retreat like that. That's probably pretty difficult. <laughs> get used it, to it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was there were some ups and downs. Um I took I took someone I was newly dating and that was a first. Oh, I wow. never did again. That is so rad. I like major props. That's really cool. You're like, okay, let's see if this will <laughs> if we're gonna yeah, stand the test of I mean, time. <laughs> yeah. But um 
you know, it was, it was actually such an important part of our relationship because he was able to understand my entire spirituality and then practice meditation and dive so deeply um, into his own practice. And I don't think I could have, he couldn't, we couldn't have experienced that um, in any other setting. So Oh, that's amazing. I love that idea. I want to try that too. (laughs) That's really neat. (laughs) Lastly, what does wellness mean to you? Wellness, I would say is, I think being compassionate to yourself um, and practicing yeah, when you're able to practice compassion to yourself, you're able to practice compassion to others. I think mm-hmm. that for our society, we are too hard on ourselves. We're constantly, right, that voice of, are we being productive enough? Are we good enough? Um, and I think I hear this with, with myself and even with my students. I see it in class. And that's especially what, what yoga is when I see it in the physical manifestation that people are pushing themselves too hard. Have they Mm -hmm. actually learned the wisdom of their body and and movement and not saying, comparing themselves, oh, I should be able to do handstand because this person is doing handstand and they do it and it's causing them wrist pain. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so listening to yourself, I would say, and honoring what your heart is telling you rather than the interference from your mind and what your mind is telling you you should be doing. Beautifully said, and it's Heart Health Month. So it's a poignant reminder for us all to listen to our heart's true call and desire and yeah, it's something I've been thinking about or feeling, I would say less thinking about, more feeling into lately, uh, especially with holidays like Valentine's Day, cultivating self-love and love for nature and for all beings is a, it's an important thing to embody. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I've learned a lot and I'm really excited to take some of your classes. So can you tell our audience where do, they can find you uh, on social media or your website and um, how they can sign up for a class with you? Definitely. So I, you can find my classes at www.workinyoga.com. And uh, my Instagram is Jensu Yoga. And thank you so much, Carly, uh, for having me on this podcast. This was a blast. And um, hopefully I'll see you guys in class. Awesome. Thanks, Jen. Enjoy your day. Okay. Thanks, Carly. <laughs> I appreciate how candidly Jen shared her story and how she expressed the deep transformative ways that yoga connects us to our mind, body, and soul. I have some interesting upcoming podcast interviews that cover topics like embodying the goddess within, somatic healing, feng shui, and more. So definitely stay tuned if that sounds interesting to you. If you would like to check out my exclusive guided meditations and healing resources, then come hang out with me over at Patreon. You can find me at patreon.com forward slash Carly Perkins. 
and this information is also included in show notes. I have a variety of wellness resources to guide you in your self-healing journey, all exclusive to Patreon, so you'll want to become a patron over there if you're intrigued by my offerings. Thank you for listening, and as always, be well.